beaming from Pacific Junction Hotel to Earth. Yo, welcome to my summer lair. I'm your host, Sammy Yunan. I'm super excited to have uh, Arlen join me. Hello. Uh, welcome. You were just in Miami for the uh, Miami Film Festival. I was, yes. Yeah. So and now you're back in cold Toronto. <laughs> I know. It's so sad. <laughs> How was Miami? It was a good. I've been to Miami, so. Oh, it's you a, have. Yeah, I haven't been for the film festival, but mm-hmm. I've been to Miami. It's a good town. Oh, it was amazing. It was very short-lived because I I was doing shows for this. So mm-hmm. I had to hop there for like a, a quick minute, but it was really nice. Sun, art, mm-hmm. tons of people for like in the film industry. So like yeah. beautiful humans mm-hmm. and beautiful work. So I was really pumped to be there. Nice. Yeah. Um, so did you didn't get a chance then to check out the rest of the city too because there's a lot of cool style as well. Like you mentioned the humans... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually got to walk a little bit around. Mm-hmm. So I did go near the ocean. And um, the thing is, whenever I do fly to Chile, where my family's from, I always take an eight-hour layover in Miami so that I can leave the airport and go to the beach and mm-hmm. swim and then come back and get on a plane. Okay. So I have had like a little yeah. bit of a Miami vibe, but this time, because it's so short and you're like going to so many events, it's kind of... You didn't pack the bathing suit this time. I did. Okay. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Just, you know, the yeah. skin needs to see the sun for like a, a bit. Yeah. You know? It's been about a year or so, a year and a half since I've seen the ocean. Oh, really? Yeah. And oh. it's kind of sad because like when you get out and you see like and if you go to L.A. or somewhere, right, and you finally see the ocean again, you're like, wow, this is massive. Like, And, and it's it soothing and humbling mm-hmm. all at the same time. So it's funny that you brought up the ocean and uh, nature a little bit because yes. this is what's related <laughs> to the play. Yes. yes. So sure. do a proper introduction, like who you are mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of who you play in the play. Sure. And just a little snapshot of the play. Okay. Well, my name is Arlen Aguayo-Stewart and I am an actor who now lives in Toronto. I'm originally from Montreal. Haven't been at it for too long, but really excited to be amongst awesome people mm-hmm. and, you know, playing. Um, in this play, I play Alex, who is someone who comes from a wealthy-ish family in Toronto, but has been doing some humanitarian work around the world, um, particularly more in the vaccine nature, and has just come back from a trip, kind of trying to reconnect with her mom, and is mm-hmm. <laughs> surprised yes. by what's going down over here. Yeah. There's a lot of ruckus. Lots of ruckus. Did you see it already? Yeah, I did. Oh, you have seen it. Okay, cool, cool. So the play, Human Animals, how would I describe this? Yeah, that's why I left it to you. You left it to me. (laughs) Um, Because there's a lot going on. There's so much going on. Um, Some people talk about it as kind of reaching a dystopian version of Toronto, but I, I would say just imagine that you're living in Toronto and that all of a sudden kind of these governmental things start like putting on restrictions and making you kind of fearful of the animals. And there's this this vibe that animals are taking over somewhat, but no one's telling you what's really going on. Mm-hmm. That's the setting of yeah. where this play is at. And we kind of get to explore what happens through uh, little vignettes, uh, snapshotting on different relationships within this chaos, this mm-hmm. mounting chaos. So... Um, I don't know if I did a good de- description of That's pretty play. good, yeah. yeah. I want to touch upon one thing kind of related to what you were just saying, right? Cause for sure. When we, we're right now in the uh, setting for the play. Yes, we are. Uh, which is really, I can't even describe this, but it's a really <laughs> neat setting. 
but when the play starts off, the setting is very like clean, and yes. then by the time the play is done, there's like mess all over. There's mm-hmm. feathers everywhere, and there's rocks, and there's like it. You see it get messier yes. as the play you experience go- it. Yeah. Yes. Is that kind of a reflection of uh, who we are and how we treat nature? You mentioned Toronto a little mm-hmm. bit, but just in general as humanity. Um, I mean, personally, the way I connect to the show, uh, I think it definitely can connect to how we treat nature. But I also think it goes on to other levels because we are in the play made to be fearful of this kind of unknown thing that Mm -hmm. is attached to animals. But whether that is just the general other, that could be other people, that could be anything we don't understand. So fear. So fear, yeah, fear-based kind of control like guiding us rather than our actual instincts Mm -hmm. is I think a big thing but for me um the playwright was actually here and she said that it has to pertain with the others the uh, the concept of the other whether that is an immigrant Mm -hmm. whether that is a sexual orientation you don't understand and I think that the play applies to all those kind of as she says isms Mm -hmm. that um we experience yeah, so do you relate then to the character yourself a little bit? Because the character you play, Alex, she really likes nature mm-hmm. and is like willing to defend it. And is a, she's a little, she seems a little more aggressive so far <laughs> from the five minutes I've hung up with you. Oh, but I don't know. Uh, okay. You never know. <laughs> you tell me, but do you relate to her, I guess? Uh, is that partly yeah. what drew you to her? Not just the themes of the play, but to the actual character. Oh, I definitely relate to her for sure. I, I did grow up as a city kid. But just as an adult, I think that I've been craving more non-city space mm-hmm. or just being in a park or like we're so surrounded by technology, just like taking a moment, like being by the ocean, yeah, g- full circle. But um, being by the ocean for me is super calming. And, um, and when I looked at it when I was in Miami or even like being in the sun, the sun is way more harmful than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and the idea that we might not be able to drink the water that is around us is also a really scary thing and like now way more palpable mm-hmm. than beforehand. So, um, yeah, I, I think the aggression you talk about in, in the character is just the drive of where she's at in that moment. And I don't think that that would be so far from me if I were living the circumstances she's living in that moment. But the play might be saying that we are living in that right now. So Well, then that's what was my next question. Is it like, was aggression maybe the right word? Because <laughs> I know you mentioned some of the isms, but yes. it's also because there is that environmental theme. And, mm-hmm. you know, we could potentially run out of time. For sure. So there's an emergency. I mean, apparently uh, we are. <laughs> we are running out <laughs> we of time. Have. Uh, so is that also is aggression the right word or is it just she knows or understands kind of like the urgency mm-hmm. and it's sometimes hard to convey you yeah. know what i mean because if you if you walk by and you're like my house is on fire people yes. get that right away for sure and they will run in and try and save your kids or your cat yeah. or something and whatever but if sometimes with the environment we say like our house is on fire and people are like eh, i'm gonna go take a nap yeah well it also depends like who you are in society and whether our society is taught to care about you like first nations people in toronto and ontario don't have access to water they can drink yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, no, we've made that yeah. very clear. Like, like in this <laughs> moment. Yes. Yeah. So um, uh, some peoples are, are considered as well, and the play will talk about, like, what is disposable? When do you become that pigeon that you don't care about? Or And at what point, like, as we go through the classes and stratospheres of humans and economics, do we mm-hmm. actually start caring about everyone as a whole? Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that works, yeah. It's sad. It's 
it really it's unfortunate that we're here right now because that you brought up the thing of the classes because that's mm-hmm. something we also don't often connect to mm-hmm. environment yes right we think of it like you mentioned the other isms in terms of like immigrants and yes. politics and um gender and these kind of things yeah well i think class and race like in terms of colonial countries versus other countries who are still indebted to these mm-hmm. colonial countries that have stolen all their <laughs> yeah. their money and everything and um, natural disasters have been impacting the non-colonial countries in a way yeah. that um, it's still not hitting us. We're in Canada, super comfy, mm-hmm. quote unquote, the non-indigenous people here. But um, Because we haven't been made to move yet. We though. haven't been made to move. We haven't lost our houses. The water hasn't taken over. But like, if we just look at our seasons, like fall and spring are almost non-existent. They're like kind of meshed into winter mm-hmm. and summer. So I think there is this eminent thing coming. Yeah, you're you're looking at the doomsday clock, and uh, <laughs> we're keep hitting snooze. Is basically what you're saying. Well, I feel like I think for sure. I think Alex uh, in the play is someone who is more of a critical thinker within the groups of people, and maybe in a more educated way, mm-hmm. unlike uh, maybe Jamie, which is another character who instinctually is like something wrong is happening right now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the 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 ability to not hit snooze and to actually look what's in your face in the moment is something that I don't think a lot of people do. I think we're placated by um, whatever we can just like ignore on our phone or whatever, like mm-hmm. instead of actually looking at what's at hand. We have the privilege not to. Yeah. Well, and then it goes back to what you were saying before. Well, fear. Fear is paralyzing as well. Yes, for right? sure. Like uh, if I go back to the analogy of like my house is on fire mm-hmm. or like... I, it's one of those things where like I'm pretty useless. I don't know how to do CPR. I don't yeah. know how to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, do you know how to grow things? Mm, no. That's I important. Can, yeah. That's why like when I watch shows like The Walking Dead mm-hmm. and, and you see like when everything's taken away from you, um, you realize yes. like I can't contribute nothing. Yeah. All right. Or so do you know how to survive? No, I'd be gone in like five minutes. I just wait for something to bite <laughs> me and then I'm done. Like. Oh no. <laughs> Gotta learn how to make a fire. Yeah. Something. I'm a yeah. city kid, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know which plants to eat. I don't know nothing. No, yeah. These are things that we should be learning. There's people who know that stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> if we weren't screwing them over, maybe we get a chance to learn and mm-hmm. listen. This is the problem there. You mentioned the other character in the play, uh, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you. Uh, we talked about you, Alex, uh, playing Alex. Some of the, you two guys represent trying to make things better, trying to make change or whatever. Mm-hmm. But other characters in the play are not dealing well Mm-hmm. With the uh, with the issues that are at hand, mm-hmm. uh, so everyone's kind of like coping in different ways. Some are coping yes. badly in another way. Um, would you say then the play is hopeful, or um, how would you categorize it? I would say that the play is an examination for me personally of awareness and of states of awareness, and what point each character decides to actually engage with what's happening around them, and. I think that, because I don't want to give too much away. That's why I didn't want to try to tiptoe around it too. Like your mom in the play mm-hmm. is having a hard time. She's having a really hard time. Yeah. I think that at some point, everyone's going to get hit. It just, the moment that that is going to happen is dependent on time and whether that person wants to engage with it um, and can be delayed. I think... I would say that it is hopeful. It's not. I think it's 
honest mm -hmm. and I don't think it tries to sugarcoat anything, but I do think that it is hopeful. And is that hope coming from the fact that you are, you're the younger member of mm -hmm. the, uh, the cast? Yes. Is that hope almost rooted in na uh, being naive? Because sometimes, sometimes when you're young, mm. you don't realize how hard things are actually are or mm -hmm. how difficult they are. Mm -hmm. You're like, why don't we just all recycle and then we'll just save everything? Mm -hmm. Like, what's mm -hmm. the big deal? I think you could easily say that being naive is also something that is, comes with age or that, that calling someone young is naive is an easy way to not engage with something as well. Mm -hmm. I think at one point in the play, the mom says, oh, she's out fighting the wind. Yeah. Which would peg her as being naive, but at the same time, it's not the wind. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more happening than the wind. Um, if hope is something that makes you naive, then I'd rather be naive for the rest of my life. Because then you're just accepting. Mm -hmm. You're accepting stillness, which is, I think, is a, a theme in the play as well. Being still versus movement. Mm -hmm. And um, I think our all the wonderful things that we have been able to create over the years, culturally, and there are like some ties in humanity that involve like caring for one another. I think those things are worth fighting for, and I definitely think that what is on this earth is worth fighting for and if it's naive to not try and do that then uh, i feel like that's just waiting for the death sentence yeah well the flip side of hope is also love right mm -hmm. it's the same coin yeah and there are really tender moments of love in the play yeah like i think of a scene where you um you hurt your feet yes and uh one of the cast members uh was kind of like bandaging you up and kind of like washing the blood away yeah you know what I mean? Like there's moments of hope and love. Mm, um, yeah. And so hope, maintaining hope is one thing, but how do you maintain love in the in face of these kind of odds? Mm -hmm. When you said, when you, like you said, we're running out of time. Yeah. How do you maintain love in the same way that you maintain hope? Oh my God, community, like supporting each other. Like in the, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, like it takes, like they say, it takes a village to raise a child and the way that we're living our lives is so kind of becoming like little mono family units mm -hmm. whereas and people don't have time or money to take care of their kids because they're like working to try and pay their rent and etc but the second you have community supporting you um, and that those kinds of communities I see in the arts a lot like it just in theater and like the collective that makes this work the love that I have been able to experience with them in the way that I see that how they care for one another is is a, a form of hope and community. And I think that the more we can work like that on those levels, the more of a voice that we have then as an individual. So, yeah, I, I, I got lost. <laughs> <laughs> you on the, but uh, I want to point out like the transitions that you have in the play. Mm -hmm. It kind of related to what you're saying because there's points where even you're involved and you're like actually shining a light. Mm -hmm. on other characters yes and th is that a metaphor am i reading too much into it or no i don't think so i think that the beautiful thing about theater is that it happens between us on stage and the audience is that middle space mm -hmm. that's like the space where it actually starts creating we've worked so hard to like you know say something but the real art is created in between us mm -hmm. so yeah whatever interpretation that you're able to gather from those transitions i think is totally right when you're preparing for a role like this, mm -hmm. are you 
because like it is a play and you've done some movies and some other TV mm-hmm. stuff. Do you approach it differently as an actor? Or are you still trying to just build a character and it doesn't make a difference whether you're doing a film, movie, TV mm. show? Acting's acting. Um, I think it's kind of similar. For me personally, I just try to fill in the blanks as much as possible. So I do think that this play is kind of similar to film. There's like a real cinematic element to it, like short scenes, like from scene to scene. Kind of like doing takes almost. Yeah. But in between, you still, as a in, in the theater world, you still need to stay present for the next moment that's going to come. It might not come right after. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it's kind of similar to film in that like you need to know where you're going, where you're coming from before each little snapshot. Um, but no, I think the more you can create a world for yourself and details and whatever... Uh, circumstance and it's easier to live in it when you're when you're up on there the stage does the you mentioned going pre- uh, like being present mm-hmm. is that uh, does that feed back into your um your relationship i guess with nature mm, yeah yeah i don't think i've ever seen it that way but nature i think makes me more present for sure i'm just like oh like emails lose <laughs> yeah meaning and I'm just like, wow, this leaf is so beautiful. Or like just seeing things grow for me just brings me a lot of mm-hmm. joy. As you've gotten older, this might be a slightly weird or slightly mm-hmm. personal question, but Go as you've it. gotten older, how have you seen your relationship with nature kind of evolve or mm-hmm. grow or deepen? Um, well, as a kid, I think I, I played like a big part of nature for me was my grandparents' garden in Chile. Mm-hmm. And there are their figs and apricots, and lemons, and there used to be cherries. And um, my grandfather and my grandmother's relationship to that space was just so beautiful. And my grandfather's passed, but when I do go there, like a lot of that love that was put into the earth and all those plants, I still feel when I go. But um, just the fact that you put a little water every day, and Mm. then like all these fruits come, and you can just eat them right there in that moment I think that was my first real real connection and I think it has deepened now I think now it has like a bit of um, a sadder feeling to it because I'm I see it as like not as uh, bountiful as before but nature has also surprised me and also like kind of put me in my place and (laughs) then like I'm bigger than you. Like, yeah. I could kill you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so but I that's when you see the ocean, right? Like yeah, you, like you that's, I experience it with the ocean. So I feel like now I have a more mature kind of understanding of it. Like, I don't, I think when I was younger, I was like fearless. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, oh, like it actually is bigger than I am. And yeah, I, I appreciate it in a fuller way now. So my question was almost accurate because I said, how does your relationship with nature, how has it evolved as you've gotten older? Mm-hmm. And it is very much like a relationship or a marriage or something, the way yeah. <laughs> the way you're describing it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, like a couple that's been married <coughs> for like 20 years or something. Yeah. And they talk about like when they first got married and they were young and wild yeah. and staying out late and doing fun stuff. And yeah. then now it's like this little more sober, more mature, but still love. So love. Like it's still, when I see... I took care of my grandma in Chile a while ago, and I was grow- putting water in the garden every day because I'd been kind of dead. She hadn't been there for a while. And then, like, a lemon grew, 
and I was so moved. And uh, yeah, it still has a capacity to make me cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and was the, the themes of the environment and mm-hmm. a lot of these issues that we're talking about, was this what drew you to this play? Or was this something you just wanted to do? Hmm. Well, I read the play when I was at another film festival in Cuba. Mm-hmm. And it was so last minute. And um, I was captivated just by the relationships. Because they're all different and nuanced. And and I at first was just like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it takes a little, it's You're a slow like, burn. What's up? Mm-hmm. And... Um, the progression of it was super in, was really interesting to me, and I didn't I, at first like immediately relate it to nature. I like I, I saw it connected to kind of like immigration. Okay. And and then later on, hearing from the playwright that a lot of this was inspired from when there were waves of immigration coming into the UK, and how the immigrants were being referred to as cockroaches. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, the animals to me were that other that unknown thing that um yeah yeah and i just instantly connected to alex i was just like oh this girl's badass (laughs) like i would love to get a chance to just experience her whether it's just in the audition Mm -hmm. and then you know if it goes on from there then great but if not just like get a moment to be in her shoes there you mentioned the playwright is uh scottish right yes there is a number of toronto references uh kind of (gasps) yes yes in the play because now, obviously, there's a Toronto audience is coming to mm-hmm. see this play. Are those Toronto references kind of meant to bring this kind of home and to kind of, like we were talking about before, to kind of wake up the audience a little bit more? Because this is in your backyard now. Mm-hmm. Like, you're talking about presto cards and things like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah. Or is it just, just like, uh, I guess, to take it away from more of the British thing? Like, what was the reason for putting some of the Toronto... Well, the playwright says specifically in her script mm-hmm. that you make it local to wherever you are. So if you need to change anything to make it more specific or make more sense to where you are, then you can go for that. So we did make a few changes, like like you noticed the presto mm-hmm. cards, but um, for the most part, we did keep kind of same uh, vocabulary as much as we could, mm-hmm. unless it was just really really far off. Yeah. What are you hoping then? Uh, you said it was up to me to interpret what I wanted. Yes. But what are you hoping that Toronto audiences walk away with anything, sort of either to be inspired or discouraged or galvanized or caring for more brown people, First Nations mm-hmm. you mentioned? Like, yeah. Like, uh, water some plants? Yeah. <laughs> I hope that people are able to look at this play and question who they are within this piece at what point right now because I think we do kind of pass through all these characters in some way mm-hmm. and I would actually I'd be really interested to watch this to see what it's like because it's very different I imagine from the outside is it, it is a very inside? different play yeah um so and also depending where you're sitting in the space but I think it'd be interesting for each person to get a chance to examine where they are uh in the in the flow of all the characters and what that means for who they are and what they're doing in this in their life right now. And given all the news that we are getting about climate and how much time we have, I hope that we can actually start mobilizing and and doing something that will give us more time on this earth because mm-hmm. why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, you, I asked if uh, Alex and her fight was perhaps naive and we discussed that mm-hmm. a little bit, but similar to that 
do you still believe or do you accept that um, movies and uh, plays like this can change minds and can change hearts and can inspire people to make a difference? Because um, people go both ways on that. For sure. Uh, I think it depends who you're able to reach in terms of the audience. Because if you're just giving a message to a bunch of people that already agree, like you're not really changing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I think you might be doing is incite more action like actively. But I'd be more curious to see how this would impact people who don't think um, or are not seeing these news headlines as a fearful thing mm-hmm. or thing that we should be trying to work against. Um, it's really hard to say because from my experience so far, most of the people who have been coming are people that I know or <laughs> people in the community. So uh, my hope with theater and film is that we're able to reach more people and hopefully podcasts like this mm-hmm. or info can get out to other people to come check it out. Yeah, it's running until uh, March 16th. Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, we got tonight, Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, two shows Saturday, so we got four shows left. And the experience for you has been good? Like, you want to keep doing more plays, or would you want to mm. go take a break and go do a movie or something? Or I like it all. It's, it's um, theater, like, makes you have to be in front of your audience, like, straight up right there in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, always a great kick in the ass. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting to see how it evolves and how you change every night. So, yeah, I definitely love theater, but I also, I love film as well. It's mm-hmm. a a medium I'm always happy to plunge into. Well, I was trying to figure out a way to describe this environment, this Mm -hmm. uh, setting. And I think one of the the differences from traditional plays is most people think of a stage or something. Mm -hmm. And the audience is actually very close to you guys. And like, um, I was sitting beside one of the doors and you guys were going in and out of the doors. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm sitting over there. (laughs) You're right there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So you're coming in and out of the doors. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, there's a lot more intimacy. So it's like Mm -hmm. when you see the relationships of the characters and how they're interacting and falling apart and arguing and trying to get along, it feels like you're almost eavesdropping on like a couple yeah. having an argument on the streetcar or something. Yeah, that's a really amazing way to describe it. There you go. Let's talk about a little couple more fun things and then we'll wrap up. Is For that good? sure, yeah. Uh, we got all the heavy stuff. We fixed the environment. <laughs> uh, no problem. Uh, yeah, we're going to be kind to immigrants now, right? Hopefully, like, yeah. yeah. So let's do a couple of fun things. Is there any kind of music you're digging lately or books that you're currently reading? Um, I have been nonstop for a while, so I haven't actually had a time to read something that is not a script. But um, something that I have reread and keep coming, I think it's still relevant, it keeps coming to my mind, is um, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts by Gabor Mate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it focuses on the population in the downtown east side in Vancouver, which are sex workers, um, You're users. talking East Hastings? East Hastings, yes. Yes, I've been to East You've Hastings. You've been to East Hastings? They're sketch. Yes. <laughs> so sketch. Well, the, the, the book is written from the perspective of a doctor who works with the population that lives there. And um, I think it offers a really interesting, um, more nuanced look at where these people are coming from and why these addictions might be present, but also kind of a broader idea of what addiction is in our society and what addictions are like no problem, like being a workaholic, being a gym person or whatever versus like being addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I think that that tackles that question of the other in a very, very beautiful way, scientific, but also personal. So that's a book that I, I love to come back to constantly. And music, let me see what's giving me life. Um, to calm down, I always listen to João Gilberto. Okay. He's from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I've had like a hectic time. So being able to just take a moment and listen to his soothing voice is just like awesome. Um, but like I really haven't had a moment mm-hmm. to myself for a while. I've been so yeah. go, go, go. So I look forward to having a moment to just relax, mm-hmm. look at some nature, put some music on. Yeah. I'll get you on this. Uh, that's probably the most important question I've asked you. I've a- we've talked about a lot of important stuff. Yes, we have. Uh, but this is probably the most important question I've asked you. You're from Montreal. I am. Do you have a particular type of poutine that you like? Oh, my God. Classic. You're a classic girl, eh? Classic poutine. But, like, you have to go to, like... Where do you go in Montreal? Give me a good spot. La Banquet? La, La Banquise. Um, okay, so that's, that's good. Okay. The Bonquise is good. Yeah. Patati patata, good as well. La Belle Province, all that that's like in the downtown area, cool. Mm-hmm. If you go to like a sector where it's like totalement français, mm-hmm. and there's like a kind of not so friendly lady who's just like, oh, I like the cranky lady. The cranky lady mm-hmm. yeah. who just gives you the right amount of fries, good amount of gravy, mm-hmm. and like the perfect amount of cheese that like melts. like So like every bite has cheese. Yeah. And my mouth is watering yeah. just thinking about it. <laughs> that is the poutine. And then you can add, like, whatever you can add. There's some places put lobster and duck and all that. But for me, it's the classic. All right. go back to the classic. I, uh, I do like a little bit of meat, sometimes some ground beef, <laughs> some Italian sausage. Yeah. I don't do duck or lobster. That's, like, too fancy. That's really fa- I worked at a place where they did duck and lobster and bacon and stuff. I was like, Bacon's wow. a good jam, too. Like. Oh, that's like a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's already a heart attack. <laughs> but I only do the bacon thing when like something's wrong in my life. Oh, you no. <laughs> you know when you can't. <laughs> like you're punishing <laughs> yourself? Yeah, you just like, I don't know how to, this is, everything's wrong right now. I just, I just need to take five minutes. Yeah. I'll have this bacon poutine and then we'll figure it out after. Oh, my God. So On the toilet yeah, later. <laughs> just work it out, right? That's it. That's the beauty of poutine. So. Oh, so this is the most important question. That was the most important yeah. one, wasn't it? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you wanted to talk about like, because I think we figured everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, we did. We totally right? did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so the play runs till Saturday, uh, March 16th. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything else lined up after that, or where can people see you or doing stuff and um, hanging out? Um, there are potential more travels around the world with this film that I, that I did. Other than that, I'm going to Which film? It was uh, Roads in February, mm-hmm. Las Rutas en Febrero, which was a Montreal Uruguay co-production, premiered at TIFF, won Best First Feature, and also Top 10, so it'll be premiere. It'll be showing at the TIFF Lightbox this summer. So that's been taking me all over the world, so I'm so grateful to it um, and to the beautiful connections I've made through it. But um, yeah, it's the you're back to the grind. You're back to like tons of auditions. I will be working on the workshop of a new play called White Pomeranian mm-hmm. next week. So I'm really pumped for that. And hopefully just a moment to catch some Z's. Yeah. Because it's in order. <laughs> yeah. Are you, you speak a number of languages. Are you looking for n- projects based on language as well? And what, because mm-hmm. each language obviously conveys something different, the different connotations, Absolutely. meanings. Yes. Um, are you looking for projects based on language then as much as you are English? 
Oh, for sure. I'm more interested in projects that are in other languages than English. Uh, I think we've heard enough films in English. I think it's time to to listen to more and beyond the languages that I speak because most of mine are just all colonial. Which are the languages you speak? I, uh, <coughs> I picked up the French, obviously. Yeah. English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, and Italian. Okay. And oh, those are similar neighborhoods. A little bit of German. I know, yeah, yeah. there's like a lot of romance languages there. But yeah. um, beautiful, like if I could work in Brazil or mm-hmm. like in Italy um, or all over Latin America, there's some really, really beautiful work being done everywhere. And even in Toronto, there's a lot of Spanish language theater as well mm-hmm. uh, through Luna. But um, yeah, I, I I grew up on international cinema. Mm-hmm. So like I, I started off watching those stories and, and like full characters of people of color from all over the place in those different languages. And that's my like, that's where my heart is really at. So English is cool mm-hmm. for sure. It's kind of ruling the world right now but I, I'd love to travel and also learn more about the world through my work if that'd be possible yeah this is a tangent has really nothing to do with the play <coughs> no problem but um, I think one of the things I've been really enjoying about Netflix is you get these non-american productions yes 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 and uh, I've been watching some of the shows uh, there's a German production called dark Oh yes, uh, that was phenomenal! Holy cow! Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I have. I have to say, I've got some issues with Netflix. Yes, and their international section, mm-hmm. just because I watch so much of the films, and I'm just like, oh, I feel like they're n- they're getting some stuff. Like they got Roma. Yeah, beautiful. But you should really watch Roma on big screen. But um, but I'm happy it's accessible. Just gonna add that. But uh. This is the thing. They're though. making an effort. They're making an effort now, but still, when you look at their international section, it just does not capture the depth of like what's out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm scared about the monopoly they're going to hold um, in terms of international film because it's so beautiful. And sometimes you get to hear a story about like a little old person who lives in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and and that story will shake you. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish everyone had access to those stories. Yeah, but I mean, it goes back to curation because mm-hmm. the problem with Netflix yes. is everybody gets all excited about Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we all watch Stranger Things and we go home. Yeah. Right? Or like you. Yeah. Which you. is just like forced onto <laughs> you. And you're like, what is this? Sorry to you fans, but yeah. like, what? Yeah, and Netflix thing too is weird. Was it Grey's Anatomy or something they recommended? I'm like, I watch a lot of sci-fi, <laughs> a lot of You're like. like not really <laughs> yeah, there's nothing in my thing that would be like. Maybe they think I'm lonely or something. No. And they're like, you need some romance and <laughs> like, you know, maybe let's make you a little softer, maybe accessible to a girl or something. Yeah. So it's like maybe they're trying to make me better. Oh. You know, so I don't know. It was just like I'm not doing it though. So. <laughs> Well. Anyways, yeah. But thank you uh, for taking the time. A we covered a pleasure. lot. Like yeah. uh, we covered poutine. Yes. Uh, the struggles with First Nations people in Canada, which I mean, we only touched. only like scraped that. I There's know. so much you could dedicate a whole podcast to that. But uh, as long as we keep getting the word out about that, because I mean that is mm-hmm. something we do have to address and we have it's to correct. It's right here. Yes. Yeah. Homelessness and too, mm-hmm. right here in Canada. And hopefully plays li- and work like this continue to kind of get out and kind of connect with people and push mm-hmm. people to think about these things a little bit more and hopefully do something. Yes. All right. Because I think too the other thing was uh, this is a bit judgmental. But we sometimes we talk a lot, but we don't do a lot. Exactly. Thing, right? Yeah. And we talk to people that we already agree with. Yeah. So. <laughs> so just like yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. It's like that thing in relationships where like I've been thinking about you all day, but you <laughs> don't send an email, you don't send a text, you don't yeah. like, so you don't. The person doesn't actually know that you did. Like love is a verb, right? Yeah. So 
thinking about me all day is like great i appreciate that but it's like you gotta do something the active mm -hmm. the active part of the verb yeah you have to play mm -hmm. so Definitely. we'll end it there thank you so much arlene my pleasure for, thank uh, you for having me uh, so this was a lot of fun so i look forward to your next couple of projects thanks thank you i'm your host sam yunin you can follow me on twitter and facebook and instagram at my pal sammy thank you for listening <laughs>